I want to thank you all for joining us today. My name is Victoria Angeny, and I'm the student coordinator for the Roxborough Roundtables. Today, our topic is going to be the Independent Party in Pennsylvania, and our host is going to be Nichelle Richardson. Hi, my name is Nichelle. I'm a member of Independent Pennsylvania. Um, I am grateful for being here to talk to you guys today. Hi, I'm Jennifer Bullock, and I'm founder of Independent Pennsylvanians, and I'm so thrilled to be talking uh, independent politics with you all. Hi, my name is Stephen Bukitis. I'm a longtime supporter of Independent Pennsylvanians and leader, and I'm excited to be here as well. Uh, hi, I'm Patricia Alvarado. I'm a Law and Society major and Hi, I'm Elena Fithian. I'm a student here at Jefferson University for Law and Society. Hi, I'm Alex, a freshman and a finance major. I'm Evan Lane. I'm the faculty director of the Oxford Center. So we wanted to get together today just to go over what the Independent Party is in Pennsylvania. Um, there's been a lot of political uh, interest and uh, resurgence recently, and this is an exciting time to be an independent. And we really just want to educate people, let them know what an independent actually is and what our position is in the state of Pennsylvania. I think a lot of people are confused about that. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to kind of introduce ourselves again to go over the history of independent Pennsylvanians and what we have done over the past and like how, where our organization is looking to go. Um, really briefly, uh, I actually am not a registered independent, and you'll find out why <laughs> pretty soon. Uh, I'm actually a registered Democrat, but I do identify as independent. So if you want to walk us through Jennifer, what sure. it means to be. Sure. And do we want to have you in it? I don't know if we want to add you in it. Because you're already doing it. I'm Sue Stopperson. I'm a faculty member in the School of Business. Oh, that's right. Um, so, uh, we, we're, um, uh, I'm a, let's see, where to start. So I'm a longtime community activist. I'm also a psychotherapist, so I care about health and well-being, not only of people's souls, but of our communities and our election system. And we, what we have is um, an election process that is not democratic and keeps out people who are not interested in affiliating with either of the major parties. Um, and we, our organization, is a group of activists and we are actually not a party nor are we forming a party so we're an activist group who is engaging in dismantling the um, the complete and total power that the two parties have over our elections who gets to vote and when and who even gets to be on the ballot and when um, so we do all kinds of things including support legislation um, in Harrisburg um, to work to to change the current laws and, and also we're very passionate about educating the public about these issues because we're indoctrinated into thinking well we have this election system with the democracy we have Democrats and Republicans and oh yeah those Greens and Libertarians over there sometimes they are on the news but yeah and then during the presidential uh, election season, the pundits will talk about, and the independents, and this is what we think the independents are, this is, and um, us actual independents are wanting to unify as a political force in Pennsylvania and across the country. Um, 
Ask the question. Yes. This is um, in Pennsylvania, can if you're not affiliated with the party, can you vote in any of the primaries? You cannot vote in the primary. So we all, including Stephen and I, who are registered independent, and, and this is why Michelle is not, um, we all pay for the primaries. Our tax dollars go to paying for the primary, so it's not a private organization event. So when the Democrats and Republicans have their prim primaries, it is not a private event, it's publicly paid for, including by me, but I cannot vote in the primary as a registered independent, registered non-affiliated. And um, the argument that, well, you know, Democrats want to vote for their Democrat and Republicans want to vote for their uh, Republican candidate, um, and we'll see who's on the general election ballot. Um, there's so many holes in that because really the primaries are the first round of elections. And independents are excluded from that very important first round of elections. Well, across the country, about 42, 43% of the electorate identify as independent or identify uh, uh, as something outside of the two parties. But in many states, there's not access to that important first round of elections. There are many states that do allow some version of an open primary, or even better, a top two system like California and Washington State and Louisiana have, where um, you, everyone goes and votes, you, you get on the ballot, everyone goes and votes, whoever are the top two vote-getters gets on the second round. So a top two is something that we would love in every state, including Pennsylvania. Um, but we can talk some about the, the blockades we have uh, experienced in the last 15 years of trying to get um, an open primaries bill even out of state house committee. <laughs> so. Well, I, may I make a statement? Well, if it's all right, sure. Oh, of course. Uh, this is Alex. So I think there might be a bit of a miscommunication. Um, I feel as if when it comes to the parties, when it comes to primaries, it's a lot less about personal taste. Um, in fact, that might be one of the biggest problems about our election and our two-party system, is the candidate-favored uh, election. The problem is, is that the parties originally represent an ideology, an idea, and not a person. That being said, what, I, what the primaries are thus for is for having the best represented um, candidates for that said party. That being said, if you do not, or I guess you could say if an individual does not represent that ideology, um, they would not be best suited for choosing a candidate for that ideology. Mm -hmm. This is Michelle. That's the common argument that mm -hmm. this is the best representation for this party. I believe um, there's a different comment, a different argument. Well, for it staying the way it is. That's like people used to say that. Like this is what the best representation for our party. Uh, but like I said, I'm actually Democratic, and I do not agree with any Democratic candidate I've had. <laughs> so I want to be independent because I want to do better than what those general things are. I'm a little less. Um, liberal the Democratic Party has grown. And I'm definitely less conservative than the Republican Party is. So I'm in the middle somewhere. So I can't pick my best candidate, my mm -hmm. best candidate never has a shot. So that's kind of what the independent party wants, yeah. is to give us a shot to have our best candidate. Would you think then that, or the, more, the bigger question is, have it, illuminating the idea of primaries, 
would you think that would be like a factor in choosing said candidate? Like, do you think um, that you would better find the right candidate, the most ideological candidate for the most, I guess, similar party, by allowing anyone who is not of that ideology to vote for it? Well, I think, did you I think partly what our movement, it's interesting what you're asking and bringing in ideology. Because I, I, I completely agree that there's, um, and I, I see your, on your argument, I definitely see that there's a problem. The, the, the question about ideology that we want to propose is that ideologies keep us divided and conquered and keep us from looking at a political and election system that is becoming less and less democratic so that we are less and less able to even effectively address the ideological positions that we care about. So we are left with politicians talking about what their ideological issue is, you know, on, on pro-taxes, on anti-abortion, on pro-sending troops over to the Middle East. And then we all can fight over that, our ideologies, while more and more people are getting disillusioned and not even wanting a two-party dominated system, and we can't even address those issues effectively. Just look uh, at what's happening and, in Washington, And that's shown by the voting numbers. Mm -hmm. that, that is shown because yeah. you have a lot of, see, you make a very good point, mm -hmm. you do, um, that each party should say, hey, listen, this is my party, if you don't believe in our ideology, stay out of my party, and don't decide my candidate. But what's happening is, is because we have this fracturing we have so many people who are saying, hey, you know, I'm in the middle, I'm, I'm, I have this, I, I don't have A or B, I have A, B, and C ideas, and I'm not interested in either of these candidates, and I'm sitting out. And look, the voting numbers yesterday, and uh, the other day in Jersey, was 35%. Yeah. Voted in the, for a governor, 35%. And you you got to factor in that a lot of people just says, you know what, I'm not interested in it. So you have to, your idea is very good. It's like, mm -hmm. you're not my party, but in the end, by having two parties, mm -hmm. uh, you are alienating so many people who have a broader understanding of what, what issues are. Exactly. But are you advocating for, let me ask, are you advocating for another party completely, that the independent party should be a new party of people coming together saying, listen, you know, we don't want to do with any of those parties. We want a strong independent party, or you're advocating for let us get involved in your parties. Great question. Do you want to take it? Sure. I don't. We are not advocating for any party at all. I feel like you know, libertarians, free party, they're independents right now, um, and you know whatever their ideology is is different from what mine would be. So I think they have the right to have that and to say I'm this. What we want is that we want the right to vote in the primary to sort of form this idea. And, I get that it sort of changes the, demo the, the demographic of things and the way things are done, mm -hmm. but it gives us the best candidates for everyone, <laughs> starting out. Mm -hmm. The problem that I see here, uh, there's multiple problems, is that I don't think, um, or not I, but the entire concept of, I guess you'd say, coalitioning, um, coming together or coming apart, is different than one may think. Um, first things first, when you, uh, when you a little bit ago, brought up the concept of ideology, 
he said things like he broke the taxes, and mm -hmm. taxes, and he got into this and the other thing. That's not quite an ideology. An ideology is somethingism. Libertarianism, okay. transhumanism, it's a thing. It's a whole working document, it's a whole working idea of its own. And to a point, sometimes it can go so far to be a whole government system. It's not about one single policy. Um, that's the main problem, which is why, of course, then I would have to go back to would opening primaries really be the right option for helping the most candidates? And well, we'll start with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, so Stephen, so a couple things. You bring up a lot of good points. If you look at more advanced democracies, if you go to the UK, even even Greece, that's where I'm from, right? From the, the people who founded this stuff. So, you know, their, their whole idea is you have coalition governments, you have 13, 14, 15 parties. So in that kind of a system where you have proportional representation, your ideology could be represented. Here we have two parties that continue to have a stranglehold that keep all kinds of other representation at bay. So for example, if you want to get on the ballot, like eight years ago, if you want to get on the ballot, you had to get assigned signed petitions to get on the ballot. You had to get over 67,000 signatures to get on the ballot. And get past gerrymandering. Um, and, well, yeah, gerrymandering, so that's a whole other issue. But think about it, so 67,000 signatures. Democrats and Republicans needed 2,000, right? How fair is that? How does that give us access to other ideas, other ways of thinking, other participants in our system? It doesn't. It blocks people out. It keeps them out. Not only that, if you really fought and you got on the ballot, you could get sued by one of the major parties. So what happened was... Successfully. Successfully. So a Green Party candidate was successfully sued by the Democrats, and they, they ordered him to pay $80,000 in legal fees that they they brought up. Like, so he had nothing to do with their legal fees. They decided to hire lawyers and throw him off the ballot. He eventually won. He won in, in federal court and was thrown out. Um, but you know that what happened there was it kept a lot of independents from actually running, because they were in fear. They were like, they're going to sue me if I get on the ballot, and I can't afford that. So, you know. It's partly you have these two parties that don't really fully represent a whole spectrum of very diverse thinking, right? We're a very diverse country. And and also keep keeping other participants from actually being, you know, engaging with different ideologies and stuff like that. You brought up gerrymandering, which is really important. So what gerrymandering does is it says, I can gerrymander a district so that no matter what happens, a D or an R in that district will always win. Because we know how people are going to vote. We know how they're registered, and you know it's not an open system. So we can control that seat. It's very hard to overthrow an incumbent. So if you throw that into the mix, people just stay in power. And they don't have to do the will of the people, right? Because they're like, I kind of can predict that these people are going to vote for me no matter what. Because either me or the other side. So you know, you throw that into the equation, it doesn't give us a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of choice to have them actually do the work for us. And I think, uh, this is Jennifer, yeah. it's helpful. I think what you're at, I think part of what you're asking, if I understand, um, is what is the overall ideological system that maybe we're advocating for or is to be advocated for, not just specific issues? I'm uh, questioning your, your means to attaining your ends. I think they're saying they want to vote is their means. And I think the problem we have if you look at recent primaries, because there's this voter alienation, mm -hmm. is you only get the people who are 
strongly motivated coming out to vote, mm -hmm. which is a problem. Right. Because strongly motivated people often are good, and sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. um, and we're getting more extreme type people, right. for example, the Senate, the person running for Senate in Alabama, mm -hmm. um, who, by the way, if you didn't hear the news today, yeah. um, was very interesting. Uh, put it at that. Um, so you're getting more extreme candidates because the people coming out are, all, are extremists who are bothering to vote. The other people, such as yourself, people in the middle, people, uh, are not coming out to vote. So if you put the mix of non-extremists and inviting them to come in to vote, maybe you'd have candidates who weren't as off the rails as some of these people are. Yeah. So that would be in support of what you're saying. Uh, and I think they're looking for any ideology other than I, I'm, I, I'm in a democracy and I should have an effective vote because when it comes down to voting, the extremists have, have, have picked the Democrat or the Republican and I'm left out of this process. So my vote in the end, I'm voting for people I don't even want to vote for now. So the primaries is where the meat is and I'm out of the system. Exactly, and this is why more and more people are saying, I don't care. I don't, I don't like any of these people, so why am I going to go and even vote today? So I, I think it's really important for us. The, the argument which I, I agree with, that the primary system, Smirkanish talks about this a lot, the primary system feeds an extremist dynamic like you're pointing out. I think our position is, is that we need to just be able to have access to our election process, we need to even be able to go to the voting booth, whether it's a two-level two, uh, two process or completely open primaries, and see how that will impact on our democracy. Could you explain, so you have so Well, it, this is a naive question, but um, because I am actually independent, but not registered independent. Mm -hmm. Registered libertarian. So how do um, how do an independent party or a libertarian how do they get on the ballot? Is it just seventy thousand signatures? It, it varies. Yeah. So Stephen again. What is so the, it's two and a half percent of the, the largest amount of votes in the last election, the largest vote getter. So in the last election, if you're running for state office, the largest vote getter. Whatever they, how many votes they got, two and a half percent of that number is the number of signatures you need if you're an independent. And then that would get you on the. That'll get you on the ballot. Ballot. So there's yeah. no sort of. And that's that's for state. Mm -hmm. For it's a little different, I think, in the counties and, and the um, um, you know your, your townships and stuff. But for the state, it's two and a half percent of the full vote, you know vote vote tally. So it's so been as much as sixty-seven thousand. So that's the a little of a primary. Um, that's pretty yes. good. It's kind of it's a different thing. It's just getting all the power. Right. So there is no primary. Yeah. Right. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that the 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 third parties don't have enough infrastructure to have primaries. Yeah. So it's really to get access to the ballot. To the ballot. Why don't they have enough access? Why don't they have enough infrastructure since it's a publicly provided item? You know, you were saying taxpayers pay for that. Well, that that's a great question. Jerry Henry like is a factor in that. Um, if those are, if I guess you say the two parties are already um, electioneering the way that we can vote, they're also doing multiple different pork barrel legislations which, which specifically help their party. Mm -hmm. um,
because with the Commerce Clause in our lovely, lovely 200-year-old document, we could do basically anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you say the infrastructure, what are you talking about? Well, just to find out. Well, this is this is this is from my perspective right. of someone that is dedicated as an independent, not someone that's working to build a party. So I'm not a Green, I'm not a Libertarian, I'm not a Constitutional Party, although we feel that they are our brothers and sisters in arms uh, against the two-party stronghold. Um, but what I mean by infrastructure, so you'd have to actually ask a Green Party, but my understanding is that you have to have the resources, you have to have the, 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 the structure to even be able to um, have uh, the two-election two process of primary then um, a general election. As an independent, and I support independent candidates, you don't need a primary. If you're running as an independent, you get do what you need to do unfairly as far as the gross number of uh, signatures you need, and you get on the general election ballot and do what you can do. But even then, you won't get the you don't get the uh, media coverage. Right. You will not be yeah. able to get into the debates. They block you from the debates. You get blocked from the debates because with the debates you have to have I don't know if you know um, a certain percentage a certain yeah. percentage of um, the the you know the polling they do like if you if the voting right. was today, you know who would you vote for? You have to have a certain percentage, which they make it um, out of the range. That's why when we have presidential elections, you don't see uh, independents and other uh, parties represented, even though even though there always is. There was five or six independents running for president. In the last election, did any of us hear about them? Or were they debated at all? They were never in the debates. What's it? Oh, Patricia. Um, I was, I'm registered as an independent, but I'm asking, um, why don't you want a Korean party? Why what? Why don't, don't you want a Korean party? Like, did you speak about that in here? Why don't oh. we want to create a party? Yeah. Oh. Well, I think, because um, what we're, what we're worked, the energy that we want to um, focus on is a movement, not a party. Because if we create a movement from the ground up where our voice is heard more and more, how unjust our system is, versus the energy and focus being on party building, where you have to have get together for conventions and get the party platform rules together um, and, and do bylaws and submit them and do all the bureaucratic back end, which is important, but that takes resources. Um, in the two major parties, they have the money to be able to do that and it's nothing. Um, so it's, it's a matter of deciding where we want to put our energy and resources and we've decided for the many years that we've been you know, active across the state to put our energies in um, really banding together and have and, and developing a community of strength um, because that's the only way we think they'll have an there'll be an impact that will be listened to when we go to Harrisburg and say, hey, there's there's an open primaries bill in the state committee and no one's touching it. Um, if we're not a band together force, they'll say, yeah. Anyway, when's coffee break? <laughs> Um, versus us kind of being in a uh, building somewhere going, okay, what's our bylaws? 
When are we going to have a state convention? Who do we want to run for our party office? That kind of thing. I'm not saying that wouldn't happen down the line, but we can't even get access to the ballot or vote in the primaries. This is Lisha. Just to add to that, um, you're an independent today. Let's say like you have kids 30 years from now, they may not be independent. They might be something totally different. They may be like I don't know astronauts, and they want to vote for the astronaut party. They can't. (laughs) Because <laughs> the independent party exists, the Republicans exist, yeah. Democrats exist, we're going to block them out of the system. Yeah. So us being a movement, we make it fair for everybody. Like this really does make the electoral more fair for everyone across the board. Uh, now, uh, is it okay for a slight change in topic, but not too much? But there might be a bit of, uh, I would have to say, two semantic issues uh, throughout this entire discussion thus far. That would be what America is, um, and what candidates are being, are becoming. Now, I believe you've said, and many of you said, that we live under a democracy which is becoming less and less democratic. We've never lived under a democracy, we've lived under a republic. republic yeah. We should never try to live to a democracy. There's a large argument towards this. Um, this is a semantic issue, this is a large issue, but it does um, seem to affect how policy will go. Um, the concept that it's about, you know, everyone has like that equal vote instead of some people having more research, research towards different areas. Some people may have more research towards a libertarian ideology and thus they should be uh, engineered or be given the opportunity to vote for a libertarian candidate um, instead of a Republican candidate since they haven't done as much research there. That's, that's the concept of democracy versus a republic. Now, the second semantic issue would have to be the extremity of our candidates. And there I say this, but I think I have to say libertarians are the most radical right-wingers there is in terms of literal ideologies. Um, our current republicans, in fact, even our own president, isn't actually as radical as they seem. They're crazy. They suck. No one likes them. No one likes them. But that doesn't mean Wait, that they're the... There's plenty that like them. There's, uh, let's be careful. There's still 35% that like what they're doing. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Very careful. Be careful. But that's the main 35%. topic. Okay. The main topic is, though, is that when it comes to right-wing politics, when it comes to left-wing politics, or even other politics, they're not actually becoming radical, is what I see. Uh, when it comes to Republicans, they're focusing a lot on infrastructure. They're focusing uh, a lot. They're fo- focusing a lot on fiscal policy, if not monetary policies. Uh, this is not how they've always been. Republicans in the past, more pure Republicans, have focused on literally Austrian economics. Uh, I just want to stop right there on a couple of things. Here. I think the biggest problem is there is no ideologies anymore. As far as um, the party that was against. Deficits wants to put in a tax bill that adds a trillion dollars. Yeah. That's the party that was anti-Soviet is now cozy with the <laughs> Russians. So there is no, and I, I think what we're trying to do is bring us back to some sort of ideology rather than just playing, as they keep on saying, to the base, because the base is who's voting. There you go. And it's, that, not about. It's, 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 it's not about even ideology as much as cultural 
issues, which it's become, because the people who are going out to vote are the ones who are all pissed off and angry about different things as opposed to caring about economics and caring about issues and actually making policies. And unless we involve more of the American public, as opposed to the base, because the base is who chose Donald Trump, not the standard republic they call the establishment republic, because they come out and vote. So that's what I think you're trying to say here, is that we're trying to get away from the base extremists, where people who have a certain cause and open it up more to Americans. It's not about, what I'm saying is that we should not have excessive moderates for the parties. We should have someone who actually adheres to an ideology. Well, that would be nice, but that doesn't exist anymore. You're right. Yeah. Hold on, so hold on. We're trying to solve. Hold on. No, no. Sorry. I've done that. Oh, no. Actually, I'm sort of interested because you're talking about this two-party system that we live with now. Yeah. And we would like it to be a multi-party system mm -hmm. because that's theoretically what we have. When did, were we ever a multi-party system? I believe we were. And I was wondering a little background on how did we evolve into your either Democrat or Republican? Oh, you're, going back to, you're going back to federalism right at the beginning <laughs> and, and the split between uh, Jefferson and Hamilton. So we're, we're gonna get, I don't want to go that far, but we always were a two or three party yeah. system. Yeah. We, were never, we were never beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to make it clear, multi-party systems are very dangerous too. Israel is yeah. a very good example of that. Yeah. Because of how, to get a coalition, you have so many different parties, you can only get 10%, 15%, 20%. So if I want to get elected, uh, Michelle may be an extremist on the other side, but if I make a deal with her, she'll come along with me and I get the majority. So that's been a, that's been a very big problem in Israel because Netanyahu has had to make a deal to keep his power with the extreme with extremists. rights. Yeah. So yeah. that's a problem with too many parties. So it's all numbered. This is Jen. I think we're not advocating we are not advocating for a multi-party system. I think Stephen, as a proud Greek, likes to talk about, remember there are all kinds of ways Constant. we can run countries. Yeah. And that's a problem. Because yeah. us, you know, us Americans can kind of be in our, like this, yeah. and this is the way. But we're not advocating for multiple parties. We're advocating, even much before that, having an election system that even has some semblance of openness and fairness to all people. Because as we all know, whether we academically want to remember that we're truly a republic, or is there is there is there a democracy that can grow, that th whatever this experiment is, that's several hundred years old, it is um, and not a spectator sport. It is not a spectator sport. So we have to, we have to find ways to be able to participate in our uh, uh, political system that where everyone can have a voice. And I don't mean that as like a nice slogan. We really are in trouble, not only as a country, but because we're the most powerful country as a, in the globe. If we are not figuring out ways and fighting for ways to all participate in this, you know, long-standing experiment. So I, I find it very upsetting that more and more people are identifying, identifying as independent, but can't even basically participate 
It's not, it's not an, it's not a um, intellectual argument. It really is a matter of like how are how are we going to be able to continue to survive and you know have a country and have um, a world that you know will be able to you know live and 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 move forward. Can I ask the students in the room? Um, so Pat and his grandfather's in Japan. Do you feel connected? Powerful or powerless in the, in the political system? I feel powerless. Why? Do you mean like voting wise yeah, or? Yeah, yeah, voting wise. I feel like, like, do you mean like in the general yeah, election? Yeah, that's right. I just feel like teenagers don't really go out and vote anymore. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're just like, I don't like anybody, so I'm just not going to vote. You know? Um, I feel powerless in the sense, well, I wasn't old enough to vote for the last um, election, but uh, I think a lot of it boils down to, um, like, who has the most money in the parties, so I feel like if I did vote, it would be independent, um, and I just think that my stance or my say wouldn't affect the outcome because of the aspect of platforms and media and, like, who has more control. Um, as a registered voter, and I, also, I did vote in both primary and presidential election, um, I mean, I'm a registered Republican, so I felt that I had the power, because so, I could vote in both the primary and in the general election. However, I didn't like that in the primary, which goes back to, you know, people who are independent not being able to vote, like, in the primary, you can only vote for your specific party, which... I'm telling you, that's what the general election was for, but it's also frustrating because I there's certain people in the Republican Party that I wanted to vote for, but there are certain people that I didn't want to vote for that I had really no choice. So it kind of it's a little struggle with annoying for that. Am I powerless or am I powerful? I have to say, when it comes to politics these days, um, the only defined answer is that it is only the individual who can make change. Not the ballot. It's all about change. Okay, so yes. I didn't understand some terms you used, so you can educate us. When you said the different kind of picking the top two or an open primary, mm -hmm. can you explain what that means? Sure. Um, you want me to, Michelle? Uh, I can do either one if you want. Okay. So open primary uh, basically means that it's open. Everyone can vote. You don't have to be registered for a party. Just walk in, attach a vote for whoever you feel like is the best candidate for you. Um, top two means that... So Democratic and Republican candidates are all on the ballot. Mm -hmm. and you can or do... they can still be separate, but you can vote in either party. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you have to pick one. You can't, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't do both. You can't just go in and pick everybody. You okay. still have to pick the one, but you can vote out of your party. Okay. That's a purely open, semi-open is independents and third-party folks can choose to vote either in the That would be a big improvement. A few states do that now, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, not many. <laughs> and I think the parties still need to choose if they'll allow it, mm -hmm. and sometimes they block it. So it's an improvement, but not consistent, unfortunately. Um, top two uh, is basically the top two vote getters move on to the next cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so now um, it's the top one. 
<laughs> the privilege makes it. Um, and this again goes back to if. Who's voting for the top two? Is that open or? It's open. It's open. Yeah. So top two Democrats, top two. Top two vote getters. Period. Period. So if there's a Republican Democrat on ballot, there's one yeah. ballot with a bunch of people. There could be six Democrats, twenty Republicans, five Independents, and the entire electorate goes. So it could be two Democrats, two Libertarians, two yep. whatever, whoever yep. the two yep. top are, and they run against each other. Yep. Mm -hmm. And California's doing that. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. This is also called runoff. No, 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 that's not a runoff. That's... Okay, what's well, a runoff? <laughs> so a runoff is when you actually have um, a bunch of people on the ballot who get certain, who don't get over fifty percent. So if you don't get over fifty percent, um, you run off in in the in the fall election. So usually runoffs are in the general election. And then they'll have a runoff after they don't get enough votes to get majority. Um, there is another um, another um, what's the other one? I'm trying to think of uh, the one where they um, we actually pick. Um, is that instant runoff? We actually pick your choices. Oh, instant runoff. So you pick your first and second candidate. So if the first choice candidate does not get more than fifty percent. Um, they peel off the votes from, from the other candidates. So you could vote for your two favorite candidates. So you could vote for a candidate whom you think may not win, they could be your first choice. If they don't get enough votes, they pick your second one. Really? So then you're so you can actually vote for somebody who you think may not win and they could actually win. Because you could vote for more than two one person, but you just you score them one and two and three. One and two I think. Um, you you pick your top two um, in order. So if you guys had your brothers which system would you think would be the most representative of most of the people? Yeah, there's value to all. Yeah, I would say the runoff, yeah. um, and if not that, top two. We have a national organization, um, Independent Voting, who was heavily involved in working with um, Governor uh, Schwarzenegger um, when he was governor. Um, to support um, and pass the top two system. So that was a real win and that was a real inspiration for all of us other states, really, you know, um, that there can be, that there can be something other than what the lockdown of what we've had for years and years and years until how our, our state governments run. There's like a little glimmer of hope, um, somewhat. <laughs> so back in 20, 2004, uh, Governor Rendell had an election reform task force, and one of the recommendations was a runoff, that we should change to a runoff, and it just didn't happen. But it's, like, even in Pennsylvania, people know that this is probably not the best way to do it. And the reasoning was that it would increase participation. So, like, you would participate. You wouldn't feel like you lost weight. You'd have power. Like, all of a sudden, this comes back. Hey, the individual would have power. Like, this kind of solves all our problems here. Um, and bigger so what, minds than ours. So what is the <laughs> arguments? It seems like everything makes so much sense. What is the arguments? that you're facing when you're making these advocacy, uh, who's, who's fighting you? And that's, that's not nothing, because yeah. they, they make the rules, they follow the rules, and have the resources, so the parties are fighting. Yeah. So we don't have initiative, initiative and referendum, in states you have initiative and referendum, where you get enough signatures, you can get something on the ballot. We don't have a system where you can actually get something on the ballot, it's gotta go through your legislature. So in Pennsylvania, the legislature, the legislature actually has to bring something to the table, and if they don't, if they're not vested, they don't have a vested interest in losing control 
So they're not going to do it. So it's been very, very difficult to move them to actually make some of these, these initiatives kind of move forward. Um, one more thing I just want to mention on top two. In California, when they did this, they weren't sure what the outcome was going to be. They knew it was a good idea. And what ended up happening was they got less fringe candidates because now you have to talk to everybody. You have to be congruent with your whole populace. You can't just cater to the fringe and get elected only by the fringe. You have to get elected by the whole body. The, the whole state has to elect you. So it brought out fewer fringe candidates, even though they were on the ballot. But you had to make sure that you kind of pass muster with everybody, right? So your focus is, how am I going to help everybody in my state? So that was one thing that was really valuable. The second thing they found out was they're actually passing more legislation. I'm like, wait, what happened? How is this happening? Because they realized, oh, this system, this open system, is encouraging our legislators to actually pass legislation and do the right thing. So they, they weren't sure, they had no idea that that was gonna actually come to fruition. Like, that, that was just an unknown. They didn't know once until people got into place. Um, so they've had a much more effective legislature because of this open system. Because now people realize, wait, I gotta do the job of representing my people in an effective manner. So that's why we like top two, because it, again, it gives everybody from any party the opportunity to kind of participate. Um, and then, you know, Again, you could be two people from the same party running off. It could be an independent running off against the DRR. Like, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Um, and then, again, those primers are paid by the taxpayers, and everybody can participate. And it engages many more people. It engages many more people. Yeah. What's the next step in Pennsylvania to make this happen? So we're kind of in a, like a weird holding pivot, right? One of the things we're going for is to try to end gerrymandering, like she brought up earlier, um, that's on hold. I think they have not, they refused to vote on that. <laughs> that would help us a lot. Um, Fair Vote actually does a lot of work, they're another organization. Um, really it's a holding pattern. We're trying to get as much legislation pushed through, um, just calling representatives saying, hey, this is the right thing to do. Um, you know, let's, let's engineer marrying, let's open up the ballots. That's pretty much where we are. Unfortunately, there just isn't a lot of support in uh, representation. Like, like, I met with my representative, and he basically said he was not going to vote for anything. <laughs> so, um, he's being honest. Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate that. He was very honest with me. Um, and his, his reason for not voting for the, uh, like, anti, the, the remapping of the districts to engineering was that, you know, it's, it's not fair to independence. And like I've been independent, I think I would know more than he would. But that was his excuse. So um, we can't. We're not winning the, the fight with them, unfortunately. And I don't think they feel the pressure um, to do it, despite all the phone calls. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, no, I'm, I'm wondering about the economics of it. If you had a top two, would it be more costly to run a campaign because you need to have broad appeal? Hmm. And would hmm. it also limit lobbying money? Because if you have just a few people that you need to suck up to, right. you you might get more lobbying money, or it might be um, more targeted expenditure for your campaign. I'm just wondering if that is part of the inertia. I would definitely say for candidates, it would be more costly. They have to do a lot more work. <laughs> if, it was the, if it was the top two. Yeah, if it was top two. You're not just going to your people that are known or kind of going to your front anyway. Exactly. You're going to everyone. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's definitely a lot more 
uh, groundwork and expense on their part. Uh, it, actually, I live in Delaware County, and it's weird because I get a lot of uh, material from the Republican and Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. It's a very competitive district, even though they lean very hard Republican. They actually went Democratic this week. <laughs> um, so it, it, I know it's expensive for them. Like it, it, it's probably one of the more expensive ones in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's going to be a lot if you go to top two. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no way to get around that. But it should be. I, I think personally, like if you're going to represent us, you should definitely do some work. Well, and also I get, again, in Pennsylvania, I mean, there's probably research and numbers to see if, if people running in California, you know, it's much more expensive and what the lobbying uh, dynamic is there. In Pennsylvania, again, we're just working to see if there can be legislation that will get out of state committee and open to the floor for discussion. Because once it can get it open to the floor, then we can have a more public conversation about it. And it will be on record who would vote yay or nay. But we can't even get legislation to open the primaries or to end gerrymandering um, or to make our ballot access laws fair, which are the three main areas of legislation we've been fighting for over the years. Um, so we keep on trying to fight the good fight. In the meantime, we're working to do our public education and to have house parties and meetings and gather all the independents together and do phone calling and do the on-the-ground organizing so that us independents and independent-minded folks know each other and can communicate and keep on strategizing. That's, yeah. that's basically where we're at. You know, it's fascinating because you're talking before about the democracy, and we're always fearful of pure democracy of the tyranny of the majority. Mm -hmm. What's actually happened here is you have the tyranny of the minority, which has taken over this country. And um, with what you're proposing is perhaps tilting the field yeah. back a little so that isn't the base and the real interested folks that come out that are determining our candidates. What you were saying, Vicki, you would like to see different candidates. Perhaps, you know, we'd like to be more involved in our processes instead mm -hmm. of having the people who are, are in this vocal minority controlling mm -hmm. the situation. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting because you always think of the tyranny of the majority. We have the tyranny of the minority in the United States yeah. right now. And that's a dangerous situation. Yeah. Dangerous. Just a couple of things I wanted to add. Just very simple like reforms that, that nobody really kind of thinks about. In a lot of countries, they close for the elections. Like they happen on a weekend and they're closed. Everything closes. So you have full access. Here, if you're working, if you if you have like a nine to five or if you have like a more than nine to five <laughs> job, like you couldn't vote. <laughs> Jennifer couldn't vote because she had to work and she could not get to our polls. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just simple reforms like that that give people greater access to be able to participate, um, you know, those are little things, but they end up adding up. Because you can have greater participation more than 35%. Um, so anyway, so it's interesting just to kind of see, you know, the dysfunction, and that's you know, it's a planned dysfunction. You know, it's it's by design in many ways, and a lot of it's by just neglect. You know, not thinking how can we make it more participatory. So, you know, that's just there are some of the things that we think, and that goes across ideological spectrum, right? Um, that's one of the things that's interesting about independence. You can talk to independence, and they really do span the ideology, like from left to right, middle, everything in between. When you talk about, do you feel like you're represented? Do you feel like you have full access? No, right across the board. So that's why we are more, more aligned with the movement versus building a party because we understand the movement is really about how can we better participate in our democracy and have more of a voice.
great. I appreciate you guys for letting us be here and talking to us. Uh, I guess as a, a final question, uh, does anyone here think that our electoral is still fair? Like that everyone gets a fair shot at voting and we should keep it as is? Or we haven't even talked about voter suppression. No, so. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got there. So we are independent Pennsylvanians. Uh, said so we're definitely fighting the good fight to get independence voting access fully to get into the primaries. Hopefully, run to a runoff or top tier. Uh, or sorry, top two. Um, Definitely, like, if you have any questions, you can reach out yeah. to us. We have a website. We're on Facebook. Uh, Why don't you have a website for people listening mm -hmm. to the podcast? Our website is www.paindependence.org. That's the letters P-A-I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-E-S.org. Do you have an email people can contact you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, independentpa at gmail.com. Thank you folks very much. It was great. Thank you. Very, very, very important.